Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Malnicki, accompanied by Jacob Schrader. How are you doing today, Drake? Jacob? Hey, Ali, I'm doing great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me for another fantasy football-focused episode. Yeah, and we got a lot of good feedback last week about when we did, you know, overrated and underrated players at their positions. So I thought we would take a shot this week and do some guys we think are going to be breakout stars this year. Now, a lot of people have different definitions of the term breakout when it comes to fantasy football. I define a breakout star as a player who performs exceptionally well and then just out of nowhere just tears up the league. You know, not not just he has one good week and then, you know, everyone picks him up on waivers and then he's kind of just subpar the rest of the week. No, a breakout is no one expects this guy to like skyrocket to yeah. his position. So, so you're saying breakout, it doesn't mean from zero to a hundred. Right. It means from good to great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I like that a lot. Yes. Yeah, um, so let's take a look real quick. You know, well, actually before we go, you know, what, what was your kind of term of the, when you heard the term breakout, what did you define it as? No, I mean, I mean, that pretty much falls in line. Right. But I do like the fact that we're talking about guys, you know, it's not like a shot in the dark. It's like, uh, okay, what guy has a, you know, 60% chance to produce at an RB2 level, but a 40% chance to produce at an RB1 plus level, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's take a look at wide receivers because that those, you know, you and I both like wide receivers more than we like running backs. Let's start with some guys. I'll name my top three that I think are going to be wide receiver breakout stars this year. And, you know, we talked a lot in the past few episodes. I really like Jerry Judy this year. I love Michael Pittman. And then my third one I really like is Gabriel Davis with the Bills. He had, he just was electrifying in the postseason, especially in that game against the Chiefs. Yeah, crazy. So I really think he's going to be a solid number two for the Bills. But let's start with, you know, who what let's start with Jerry Judy. You know, I know you weren't high on him from the beginning, but what what are your prospects on him right now? Yeah, I I like him. Uh, you know, we've talked about him quite a bit and I've I've spent some time looking at him. You know, I I, I what I didn't like about him is I saw a lot of drops, right? Mm-hmm. But I think he does actually have good hands. I just think he struggles with concentration drops sometimes. Right. And there are a lot of players who have done that in their early seasons. I mean, Odell Beckham was dropping passes his rookie yeah. year. Yep. Jarvis Landry, you know, had a problem doing the same thing. You know, people get out of this habit. I think Antonio Brown is also a famous one. When he started his career, he, he was dropping the football oh, yeah. a lot. Um, and, you know, he turned into the best, most consistent wide receiver of all time until he went a little crazy. Huh. Um, I like Jerry Judy. I, I do. I think the news – uh, of one of the other two receivers, either, either Tim Patrick or Portland Sutton. I think it was Tim Patrick getting injured. Right, yeah. That's Patrick. huge, right? That is monstrous for for these other two guys. Um, it, it, It's an interesting situation. There's so much new stuff going on in Denver. It's a little bit much for me to wrap around, my head around. Yeah, I really like Judy, and I don't consider Cortland Sutton. I mean, I have him listed as he could be a breakout star, but – he kind of had a mini breakout a few seasons ago on the Broncos when he first came up as a rookie. I think still like Demarius Thomas was on that team. So he's been around for a while. So I put him under a breakout, but I think if you're going to pick the two on the Broncos that will really break out, it is going to be Judy. 
I think that Russell Wilson could rely on Judy like he did in DK Metcalf's rookie year, where he just bombs it down the field to him. And you're right. I, I think that people are overlooking Judy. He has played with subpar quarterbacks since he came into the NFL. So I think having an accurate passer like Russell Wilson will help him not only just catching the ball, but I think he can run more distinct routes and mm -hmm. not really have to flail to get open and whatnot. So I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, They're pretty ahead. even, right? They're both second round picks. Right. Sutton is maybe two years older. Sutton did have a thousand yard season. He actually had 1100 yard season in 2019, uh, which is surprising. Right. I didn't really, I didn't really think of him as having an a thousand yard season. Uh, just based on the stats I'm seeing, he looks to be a higher option in the offense than Judy. But you know, then again, Judy is, is, was a rookie two, two years ago. And then, with all the quarterback shenanigans last year, it's hard to trust. I don't know. Cor Cortland Sutton is interesting, though, because he's a, he's a big target. And and Russell Wilson, I think, likes those big targets. Yeah. Um, but you also can't ignore the fact that he basically dominated the NFC North with Tyler Lockett. So to me, both of these guys are still too much of a toss-up, right? To, to you know, it, 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 I guess it follows that both of them could be breakout stars, right? Yeah, it depends who, you know, I kind of look Cortland Sutton more as like a Tyler Lockett for Russell Wilson. That's not to say like Cortland Sutton can't come out and have these explosive games because we saw plenty with Tyler Lockett. It's just that I think if you're going to want one of these guys on a consistently sea level, Judy is the person to look at. Now, he is a risk. Like, that's why these are breakout guys. Like, it, they are risky. You You don't know if they are going to break out or if they're just going to stay being mediocre. And really, since you enter the league, Judy has been mediocre. So it's worth a shot. Like I've said in the past few episodes, I'm really high on Denver. I really like Judy. And I think you nailed it that with Tim Patrick going out, he's just going to get even more receptions. They don't really have that clear cut number three guy after mm -hmm. Sutton. So what do you think, though? You know, we talked a lot the last few episodes about Michael Pittman, but, you know, are you getting more on the Michael Pittman bandwagon? Oh, yeah, I absolutely am. I, I think, you know, when we started this conversation today, he was my first thought. Yeah. Uh, you've you've won me over on Michael Pittman, uh, <laughs> Matt Ryan. You know, it, him and Matt Ryan go really well together. Right. He's a big receiver who can, you know, run out, you know, run routes down the field. That's what Matt Ryan likes to throw to. Yeah, I really like Pittman a lot. I think he was underutilized last year with Carson Wentz. And I don't think people really looked at his numbers and saw how many times he was targeted and how many receptions he did have. I mean, I think he was targeted, I want to say like 128 or 130 times. And I think he wound up with 80-something receptions. So I think with an accurate quarterback, again, like Matt Ryan, Pittman's really going to excel. Now, I do worry that teams might double-team him because after Pittman – the Colts really don't have a lot of depth at the receiving position. But I think with Jonathan Taylor taking a lot of touches in the backfield, and I think they're going to utilize Jonathan Taylor a lot more in the passing game this year as well. Yeah. I think Michael Pittman is set to have a really explosive year. I agree. I think the play action game is going to be ridiculous for Michael Pittman. Mm -hmm. So you were right. He had 88 catches last year on 129 receptions. Right. That's not a horrible catch rate. Um, you know, I don't think Wentz is that bad, especially because a lot of this is regular season numbers and not weeks 17 and 18 when he, when he, uh, you know, failed to show up. Right. So with Matt Ryan, you know, I could see, I could really see 160 targets, 108 receptions, 
right? 1,400 catches, uh, 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's not crazy. And that's a wide receiver one season for sure. Yeah. And I know he actually is going high. I think I saw, yeah, I'm looking right now on fantasy pros, like his, his ADP is about the 12th ranked, you know, wide receiver. So there's a lot of expectations for him, but I think he's going to come through. I, I really do. I think that he has really good hands. You know, he doesn't make too many drops from just watching him on tape. So I think that, you know, having another year under his belt, having Frank Reich as the head coach over in Indy, I really like Michael Pittman a lot. Now let's move on to the other guy that I really like to break out, and that's Gabriel Davis. So what's your opinion on Gabriel Davis, Jacob? So I actually saw a post on TikTok that was saying Gabriel Davis is the most overvalued player in fantasy football. I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know about Gabriel Davis. I do remember that game against the Chiefs when he was just so, so good. Uh, that was that was crazy. I don't know if I'm crazy about him. Got it. Uh, Gabriel Davis stats. What did he do last year? You know, 35 catches for 550 yards. I just don't see him being high enough in the pecking order, right? I I don't. You know, they have so many random players on at the wide receiver position. I think they got rid of Emmanuel Sanders they though. Did. Yeah. So that's pretty much why, right? Because but they did get Jamison Crowder. They have Stephon Diggs. Yeah, they got rid of Michael Beasley. Yeah. And then they have the tight end. I, I don't, you know, I'm not crazy about Gabriel Davis, but then, you know, there's the injury fact where he can, you know, he can slide into kind of the, the X receiver and, and be the number one guy more so than Jamison Crowder can be. I agree with you that I was high on Gabriel Davis before people started over, you know, overvaluing him this year. Like if you rewind to back in the beginning of June, I was talking to my friends about Gabriel Davis and no one even heard of them. Then I was like, you know, the guy that went off in the Chiefs game. They're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, like, I feel like now everyone's been talking about him to the point where people want to be more wrong about him than right. Mm-hmm. So I can see why people are hesitant on him. I love the Bills. I've been a Josh Allen fan since he was in college. In that QB class, I said Josh Allen was going to be the best QB of that class going up. And so far, I feel like, you know, you could argue between him. And I think Lamar Jackson was in that class, too. but. I really like Josh Allen for the future. Now, I'm a huge Stephon Diggs fan as well. We talked about Diggs last week. Some might think he's overvalued. But I think that just opens the door for Gabriel Davis. And, you know, you and I both aren't that high on Dawson Knox as a tight end. So Josh Allen's going to be trusting his wide receivers a lot. And I think Gabriel Davis is ready to take the step. I think you're going to see a lot of double coverage with Stefan Dix, not saying he can't break out of it because the guy has speed, but I really like that Davis is going to get a lot of chances. You know, the Bills are a pass first team by far. You know, they don't rely totally on the running game. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and they have a new running back. I, I can't, I just, I can't think off the top of my head his game that they drafted, but they, I really like Davis. So what, what yeah. do you have any other? Points? Uh, it, it, it's just, you know, I look for, you know, let, let's compare him to Keenan Allen. Okay. Because I'm super high on Keenan Allen, right? But they're kind of almost in, in they're they're in pretty similar spots. Okay. Right? They're, they're on offenses that throw the ball a ton. Yeah. Uh, they're on offenses that don't run the ball like crazy, although the Chargers do more so. Um, but they also pass the ball to Eckler a lot more. You know, 
to me, you know, th- th- those two are, you know, those are really similar teams in a sense with, you know, good offenses and now good defenses. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just can't get myself to, you know, be high, you know, as high as other people are on um, Gabriel Davis. That's fair. You know, we have to disagree somewhat. <laughs> But let's let's go let's go to your wide receivers. Like name top your top three wide receivers you see as having breakout years that we haven't already talked about. Yeah. So one guy I see on here that I like a lot is Terry McLaurin. Um okay. that may be surprising, but I'm willing to bet that Carson Wentz is the best quarterback he's played with in the NFL. That's Carson true. Wentz Carson Wentz needs a big year. And Terry McLaurin is really, really good. He's the kind of guy that Wentz can get in a rhythm with and throw a lot of four-yard screen routes to, you know, early in games to get his confidence going. And then, you know, McLaurin can also go deep. He's, he's a you know, an acrobat at making those crazy catches. I think Terry McLaurin has, you know, 120 catches this year, 1,200 yards, and a bunch of touchdowns. I, I think he's going to go off. Wow. Well, I'm not a Carson Wentz fan. Like, I wasn't when he was with the Eagles. I wasn't when he went into the Colts last year. I think that he's reached his peak, and we're just we're not going to see how the Carson Wentz we saw when the Eagles got to the Super Bowl. I think that injury really just hurt his value, and he mm-hmm. never recovered from it. The one thing that worries me, especially, though, with the Commanders, is their offensive line. And they lost one of their top guys, uh, Brandon Scherf, in free agency. So their line already is going to suffer. But most of all, their defense is just so bad. Like, without Chase Young, besides Chase Young, the commanders have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So Yeah, and Chase Young is out too, so. Yeah, so to your point, Wentz is going to have to throw a lot. And he's not going to have the run game that he had in Indy. I mean, you could give it to Jonathan Taylor. There were some games where I think Wentz had maybe like 10 completions and they just let Jonathan Taylor do the rest. So, yeah. So I, I just, I don't think Antonio Gibson is even close to being on the same level as Jonathan Taylor. So I think the more that Wentz is going to be forced to throw, the more errors he's going to make. And it's going to lead to a lot of interceptions. You know, when you're just when you just have to throw anywhere from 15 to 20 times a game, you're going to be a little more accurate. You're going to be a little more spot on. But now if you're going to have to ask Wentz to throw 25 to 30 times a game, because you know, they're going to be playing from behind. I I just, I don't like it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but kind of what you're saying is the reason why I like it so much, right? Wentz is going to have to throw the ball. Yeah. Wentz is going to throw the ball in a game this year for the, for the, Commanders, he's going to throw the ball 50 times one game, right? It'll happen. And, I mean, there's no one else on the team who he's going to throw to. And McLaurin's just a guy who gets open, right? That's like his specialty. Um, You know, he's a possession receiver. I I love McLaurin on a horrible team, right, with a little bit better quarterback. I don't know. I I think it could be good for him. Yeah, I I see what you're saying, and I'm not going to dispute you on there because, yes, Wentz is going to throw a lot. I guess my point is I just think that the more he's going to have to throw, he's going to it's it's not going to look pretty. Yeah. And I think you do need to factor in like he was healthy last year, but he does have an injury history the last few seasons. So if Carson Wentz goes down and Taylor Heineke has to come in or whatever, 
you know, McLaurin's value is going to be really tarnished there because we saw last year it it didn't seem like it worked well with Heineke. Yeah, but, I mean, if Heineke is his floor, right, then he's going for a lot. He's going for, like, 80 catches. Yeah. And uh, a lot of yards. Let me me see if I can pull it up. Oh, sorry. Um. Let me see if I can pull up his stats from last year. Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I like Terry as a player. I just, he's just, when I look at a guy, like, I don't, I definitely don't want him as my wide receiver one. He's not a wide receiver one for me. Wide wide receiver two, I'm kind of like, ugh. Like, is that the best I can get? I mean, he's being drafted right behind Portland Sutton. I mean, I'm taking him over Portland Sutton. I'm taking him over DK Metcalf for sure. I mean, I'm taking him over Mike Williams. I'm taking him over DJ Moore. Him and Pittman are close to me. Yeah, well, because McLaurin does have the talent. Like, let's let's not forget that he 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 really is a talented wide receiver. It's just that I, you know, I think Michael Pittman is actually a perfect comparison because we saw what Michael Pittman did with Indy that McLaurin, you know, it, when Carson Wentz was there. So I guess you can compare Pittman's stats last year to similar what Terry could put up this season if if you want to go that far. It's yeah. just without that effective running game, you know, I don't know how open Terry's going to be getting. Yeah. I, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it. Um, I, I see the opportunity as being more valuable than, you know, a good team. But, you know, these are just preferences that we have. This is why fantasy football is fun. Yeah, that's true. So who are some other guys you like for breakouts? Yeah, let me uh, let me take a look. So next up, I think Marquise Brown could do something on Arizona. Okay. Um, you know, we don't know what's good with D-Hop. We don't know if he's going to come back and be a stud or if he's going to come back and look like Julio Jones looks like uh, on the Titans. But Marquise Brown makes some of the most spectacular catches you'll ever see. He also drops a lot of catches, but some of the p- passes that he caught from uh Lamar in in Baltimore were like breathtaking like diving catches in the end zone uh and that's what the the you know Cardinals need right they need someone that that Kyler can really trust when D-Hop is out yeah I know they've signed some players I know they have a good running back I know they have a a a reasonable team but Marquise Brown is a stud that dude's fast you know crazy fast and um Lamar can throw a deep ball so I like Marquise Brown yeah, Marquise Brown just worries me. You know, those first six games that D-Hop is going to be out, he's going to be called upon to be that number one guy. And, you know, what worries me is, is Kyler going to be able to get him the ball? Is the chemistry going to be there? Because Kyler has great chemistry with D-Hop. I don't really see Kyler having great chemistry with really too many other wide receivers on his team in the past, you know, like Christian Kirk. We saw last season once D-Hop went down, he really struggled. Now, I guess you could attribute that to he really didn't have a bona fide number two guy, though Christian Kirk was pretty good. But I don't know. For Marquise Brown, I think I've seen enough of him with Baltimore just to see the inconsistency. So I don't know from from my perspective if I he has enough consistency for to have a breakout year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, he, I'm not crazy, crazy about him. Uh-huh. There's just always been something about him that I liked. Uh, you know, I like the the theatrics, the crazy catches. Yeah, um, I would I would say two more guys to round yeah, out ahead. the list. 
are Amon Ross St. Brown and the Lions. Of course, right? yeah. the, the dude who who finished the year crazy, crazy strong. Can he keep it up? You know, that's <laughs> sorry. That's what we're, we want to find out. I think um, he potentially, I think he definitely is the top 15 receiver, St. Brown, by the end of the end of the season. I think top 15 is a safe bet. Yeah. He, he can play for sure. Uh, and then next up is, I just had, had him, Kadarius Tony, actually. He's a, okay, he's a good my Giants wanna, guy. Okay, yeah. I'll take that maybe, one. <laughs> yeah, maybe you want to talk about him. I love Tony. Uh, when we drafted him, uh, not this past draft, but the draft before, you know, we traded our pick to Chicago so they could go up and draft Justin Fields, which I was fine with that because we wanted either Waddle or Deonta Smith. And once we didn't get, or Devonta Smith, we, once we didn't get either of those, then it was like, yeah, let's just trade the pick. And we got Tony, I think at number 19th overall. When Tony was healthy last year, I love the guy. Like it, when he would catch the ball, he can get you so many yards after the catch. Like he just is like an acrobatic runner. I can't even describe it. The problem with Tony is he seems to be hurt a lot. Yeah. And there are some character issues. Now, I think with the new regime in New York, with Brian DeBall as coach and Joe Schoen as GM, I think that Tony can get put, you know, can settle down with his character. So for me, if if he stays healthy, I'm looking at him, you know, definitely as our number two receiver after Kenny Galladay. And potentially number one, I think him and Daniel Jones could develop a great chemistry. And like I said, you could he he's going to be very effective with PPR leagues because he will catch the short plat those short passes, but he's going to run for an extra 10, 20 yards after he catches them. So I think he's going to actually lead the Giants if he stays healthy in receptions. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Kenny Galladay. Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff from him because I, you know, I followed him from Detroit. He hasn't really, he hasn't played so well for you guys. No, uh, last year was a big disappointment. I think, I think it's, it's actually crazy. You know, Matthew Stafford has the ability to just make wide receivers. Yeah. Right? Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, uh, Galladay. Those are guys that weren't big names other places, and they kind of turned into superstars. Um, and it's not a coincidence that the two highest yardage seasons by a receiver are both from. Uh, the man himself. Um, so, you know, I guess it's always, you should always be weary after Detroit Lions receivers pop off. Uh, Marvin Jones is good though. He's a, he's a stellar player. Um, Galladay. I don't know. Galladay, Galladay's good. Galladay makes some catches that are just crazy, but you just got to get him a, a lot of balls. And I don't think that was what, what was happening last year. No, we didn't have a good pass game, but yeah. Why, why don't you go ahead and, you know, explain your reason for Tony and um, who, sorry, who was the other guy you said again? So it was a Monroe. Yeah, I think Brown. that's pretty obvious. He just finished so hot. He's a good receiver on a team with not a sure thing at the receiver position for Tony. I mean, I just think he's a good talent. I just think when he catches the ball, he looks different. He's not quite Odell Beckham, right? He's not as, as athletic. He's not as big, but uh, he makes those athletic catches that matter. And I mean, he's like, he's kind of the same thing. He's like, he's kind of a diva wide receiver. Who's got unbelievable skill with a not so good quarterback. I mean, Odell put up a historic season with that. Can Tony do the same thing? I think he could. I think uh, Daniel Jones this season has the potential to be a better fantasy quarterback than Eli was, right? Just, you know, completing yeah. passes. That's all he needs to do, right? He'll he'll figure it out a little bit this year, hopefully. Um, oh, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he does, right, it's big for Tony. Yeah. No, Tony's a good one. And like you said about St. Brown, I think he really came on strong last year. And I think the Lions did a good job getting him 
some wide receiver help. So he's not the only one running out there. I mentioned before, Jameson Williams is going to be a star in this league. You know, the Alabama prospect, he got hurt in the national championship game. I think the Lions really did a good job drafting him. I think that's an incredible one-two punch for Jared Goff between St. Brown and Williams. And both are going to open up lanes for each other. So I'm with you. Like I said, I think to be safe, St. Brown finishes as a top 15 receiver this year. You know, I'm going to make that prediction right now. I don't mm-hmm. care that he's on the Lions. I think the Lions are going to be better than a lot of people project them to be. They had they were in a lot of close games last year. Oh yeah. So um, I think the Lions are good for six, seven wins. So uh, uh and you like you said, they're going to be behind in some games, and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So he's yeah. definitely going to get his chances. Exactly. That that's my reasoning for him. Hundred percent. So right before we move to uh, running backs, there's a few guys I did want to point out that I wanted to get your your take on. I'll I'll, I'll pick two so we don't run out of time. One is actually they're both. One is yeah, DJ Moore on the Panthers. You know, he's had the past few seasons some terrible quarterbacks. He had the combination last year of Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Cam Newton the year before. You know, he was stuck with Teddy Bridgewater. Now you have Baker Mayfield on the Panthers. Do you think DJ Moore is a breakout candidate? I mean, he had a pretty good season last year. I mean, he had 93 right. catches, 1,150 yards. I I was so bullish on uh, Baker coming in. But Baker doesn't throw the ball consistently to one guy ever. Right. He throws the he spreads the ball around more than anybody ever. Um, maybe that's only, you know, maybe that was only the case on the Browns, right? You know, there, there was clearly a lot of stuff going on there that may not have helped them just from kind of an outside pressure s- standpoint, but you know, he, he, you know, Baker Mayfield's much better than anyone DJ Moore had last year. Uh, it, it's just a yeah. tough one for me because, you know, it could be, it's so clear that he should get an upgrade. But, you know, Baker can do weird things. He can be, you know, electric for three-fourths of a game and then be hurt for the rest of the season. Yeah. Just, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty there with Baker. Yeah, and from what I've watched, he does look good in training camp. I know he was just named the Panther starter. So, for me with DJ Moore, he's always been a guy I've just kind of overlooked in fantasy because I've looked at the quarterback situation in Carolina and I was like, ah, no, nah. I mean, that's how I, I draft my wide receivers a lot. I look at the quarterback situation now with Mayfield. I'm like you, I'm torn because Mayfield is definitely an upgrade over what he's had. However, like you said, you are hundred percent spot on Mayfield does like to distribute the ball a lot. It's not, I never really have pegged Mayfield as the guy that elevates his receivers. You know, you saw in the Browns, like, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. It's not like they had career years in Cleveland. He just does a good job of distributing the ball. Now, I do actually think that can help DJ more because I think he's going to have more quality catches over quantity. You know, you mentioned 93 receptions, but, you know, what was his, like, average yards per reception? I Yeah, think that- it wasn't great. It was about yeah. 12, maybe 11. Yeah, I think that he's going to get a lot of deep balls this year. He's going to get a lot more touchdowns. So I would say, yes, I think he is going to be a breakout in terms of fantasy. You know, he's still a number one receiver on his team, but in fantasy, I think he's really going to make a difference this season. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'm really the same way. I've overlooked him so much. I don't think I've ever even watched a highlight of him, to be completely honest. I mean, I I have. I know I know what he looks like. He's kind of Steve, Steve Smith-esque. 
Yes, yes. Um, but I, I had no idea he had 93 catches last year. Yeah, so. no, it's like a quiet 93 catches. Yeah. Didn't really. So one more guy I do want to bring up to you because he's been talked about a lot as a breakout candidate. I don't see it because I don't trust Justin Fields, and that's Darnell Mooney of the Chicago Bears. Now, the Bears literally have no one on their receiving core. And Mooney is the name that stands out. Now, he had a few games last season where he just was explosive and, you know, he would have a couple catches for 100-plus yards, a couple touchdowns. Do you have Do you have any outlook on Darnell Mooney? Yeah, this I, I'm looking at him now, and it doesn't look bad at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 81 catches last year and 140 targets, which is, you know, pretty bad from a efficiency standpoint. Right. But you're right. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? They just lost Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson had had way fewer catches than Darnell Mooney last year, right? Uh, right. You know, he, he's he's kind of uh, developed a reputation in Chicago. That's a good one. So you know, I, I think you're right. Actually, I think this guy could have a, a really big year. Kind of slept on, but who else are they going to throw the ball to? They're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing the ball. This guy can run. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the only thing, like I said, that worries me is the Justin Fields factor. That's the only wa- reason I'm not as high end Darnell Mooney as a lot of other, as a lot of other wide receivers that could have breakout years. That being said, I had an interesting conversation on this podcast the other day when we were previewing the NFC North and our coworker, Robert Kowalski said, you know, Justin Fields runs a lot. He puts himself out, out there. He takes, you know, more sacks than anyone. I know Joe Burrow finished the year with the most sacks, but he played a lot more games there's a chance Justin Fields w- is going to get banged up and going to get hurt. And then we're going to see, you know, the bears back up right in the game. I believe it's, I I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he was with the Vikings last season. Who, who's their backup guy. Now, if they have to bring in the backup, I think that only helps the receiving core because Justin Fields is always to me going to be a run first quarterback over a throw first quarterback. So I don't know. Mooney is a guy I can see the potential to break out. But like I said, I draft my wide receivers based on quarterbacks and pairing him with Justin Fields. It's why, you know, when we talked about the Eagles, neither of us are high on A.J. Brown just because I don't see it in Jalen Hurts. So when it comes to the Bears, I just don't see it in Justin Fields. Yeah, I I can buy that. And you're right. They do have Nathan Peterman and Trevor Simeon as backups. And those are just classic throwers, right? Peterman can just throw the ball. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I like your reasoning there. Yes. I, uh, I I agree. I guess. Yeah. So let's move on to running backs. Now, one guy. I'll I'll start with my top two ones because I'm very high on these two guys. The first one is J.K. Dobbins, and the other one is Travis Etienne. What do you think of either of those guys as breakouts? So I don't know too much about Dobbins. Um, I know he's on Baltimore, and I know that backfield has been crowded in years past. Etienne, yeah, I mean, I, I understand it for sure, right? He has the history with, um, he has the history with, you know, the, the quarterback from Clemson. I'm forgetting the name. Um, I can see the face, and I can remember the yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I actually watched a highlight video, and I just didn't think he was that good. Uh, no. I worry that, you know. Like one of those two, Trevor Lawrence and and Etienne is probably not going to be a, a star, 
Right. I just don't know. You know, Trevor Lawrence was so good at Clemson, right? And, and Etienne just basically had to walk 10 yards every carry. It could be some of that to me. I, I just don't really know. I don't know a ton about Etienne. He's in a good situation this year. He's going to get the ball a lot. Um, if he is a bust, this is probably his best year from a statistical standpoint. You know, it kind of reminds me of Amir, Amir Abdullah, his first year on the Lions. He had like 900 rushing yards and 500 catching yards, but he was a bust, right? It was just right. his rookie year, and he was used so much. So I think it's okay. I think it's a good pick, especially with, you know, it being a 22nd overall running back. I think a, a clear starter is is never something to pass up. Yeah, Dobbins, he was injured last year, so he didn't get a chance to play. But I used to watch him a lot when he was at Ohio State. And from his freshman year, like, this guy could just run the ball. And I think going on the Ravens, where they're going to run the ball a lot more than throw this year. You know, I know Lamar Jackson is healthy, but he doesn't have a lot of targets outside of tight end Mark Andrews and uh, what's his Rashad Bateman, who is the number one ride receiver now. So I really liked Baltimore being a run first team. I think Dobbins is going to get a lot of carries. He can catch the ball too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Lamar is going to want to, you know, flick it out quick and he's going to see a lot of screens and whatnot. So I agree with this completely. Yeah. So Dobbins is a guy that I'm really high on, you know, a lot of people new to fantasy or that don't really study fantasy in depthly. They don't know Dobbins because they haven't seen him yet. So Dobbins is one of my top plays. I, I would probably draft him higher than most people just because, you know, I'd be afraid someone would take him. Now, yeah. when it comes to Travis Etienne, yeah, I agree with what you're saying because I did watch him when he was in college too. But I was actually more impressed with him than I was with Trevor Lawrence. I was never a Trevor Lawrence guy. I just felt like he played in a weak ACC conference. He played a lot of bad defenses. Now, I know you can make the same case about Travis Etienne as a running back, but it's it. You still, once you get the ball, you have to break through that tackle box, and Etienne can just run. Now the Jaguars, they do have the opportunity. They play in, you know, they have to play the Texans twice a year, so they get a little bit of a favorable schedule being in the NFC. Uh, that sorry, the AFC South. I really like Etienne. I think that with Doug Peterson coaching the Jaguars, he's gonna get them the ball. He's gonna take the pressure off of Trevor Lawrence to throw, you know. 30 35 times a game and he's really going to split up the carries so those are my two go ahead this is doug peterson the former eagles running back coach offensive coach yep okay okay yeah i mean that bodes well for him uh i like jk dobbins a lot more now that you've told me all about him i will be drafting him as well (laughs) good to know well who who two are your uh wide uh running back breakout guys yeah you know this year it's a little bit odd. I don't have crazy breakout guys. I think one guy that could go crazy is Nick Chubb. I know we saw that, I mean, like 30 minutes ago or an hour ago, they announced that uh, Deshaun Watson is suspended for 11 games. Right. Um, But I could still see him just running wild regardless. And then when Deshaun comes back, he's, you know, he's running for 150 yards guaranteed every game. I don't know. It's tough, right? Because they're going to open the season on such a dismal note. I don't know who their backup is either. Jacoby Brissett. That's not, that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but he could be really good. I mean, Brissett isn't horrible because Brissett can throw the play action. I don't know. Another one I think could be really good is DeAndre Swift. I think we're just waiting for yeah. him to basically turn into an absolute phenom. 
Uh, he's basically like Alvin Kamara, who's who's right under him, but a, a lot younger and maybe on an offense that can get him the ball a little bit easier. Um, I think Aaron Jones, sorry, not Aaron Jones, but his replacement actually. Um, we've AJ talked about Dillon? this guy. Yeah, AJ Dillon, right? If, if, I mean, there seemed sometimes last year where the Packers just trusted Dillon more than Jones. Right. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I just don't think Aaron Jones is going to be the starting running back. I think it's going to be AJ Dillon. I think Aaron Jones is going to be kind of a utility piece in that offense. Yeah. And having AJ Dillon as an RB one on the, you know, one of the best offenses in football, that's hard to pass up. And he's going to get so many touchdowns. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause when I was talking with Mark and Robert on our NFC North preview yesterday, we were talking about the Dylan Jones combo and, you know, Mark's a big Packer fan. And he said, you know, Aaron Jones is pretty much a wide receiver. You know, the Packers utilize him. At least they have started utilizing more in the wide receiver slot than in the backfield. So I think if you draft either Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon, you're really going to bank with either of those guys. Cause I think that especially for PPR leagues, Aaron Jones is going to get a lot of receptions because, you know, just as Mark said, they're going to use them a lot as a wide receiver. So he's just going to have even more value than he has in years past. And like you said, AJ Dillon is going to end up being their number one running back. If they are going to be using Jones more in the slot. So I really think that both of those guys, you can't go wrong with Deandre Swift too. You know, it's funny. Mark didn't even know who Deandre Swift was when we were talking on the podcast about the lions. And I was like, this guy just, when he's healthy, the guy can run. He can break. He's going to have, I think he's the perfect definition of a guy to have a breakout year because, you know, again, he's on the lines. People don't give them a lot of, uh, a lot of the respect they deserve. The lions are going to be in games. You know, they're not going to always be playing from behind and Dan Campbell as the coach, he does like to switch it up. You know, he's not just going to be doing just your regular deep throws, your regular slot receptions. He, they're going to run a lot of play action. They're going to run a lot of screens. They're going to do a lot on that offense. And I think DeAndre Swift really is going to benefit from that. You know, when you have a strong passing game, like I think Detroit is going to have this year between St. Brown and Williams, that only strengthens your running game because you're just, you have that dual threat running and throwing. So I think you hit the nail right on the head. DeAndre Swift is probably the perfect breakout candidate for a running back. Let's go. I'm glad we agree on that. Now, one guy you uh, that I want to bring up that I'm surprised you didn't bring up that I think will have a breakout year is the Rams running back Cam Akers. What do you think about him? I just think, you know, it's interesting because it, on paper it could be like, oh, my gosh, this is Todd Gurley again. But Matthew Stafford has never had a good running offense. And right. part of that can be due to, you know, what's going on around him. But part of that is also Matthew Stafford, right? Matthew, you, you, you don't trade for Matthew Stafford to run the ball. Right. right? You, you trade for Matthew Stafford because he can put you in a, a Super Bowl with his arm, and that's what he did. And then he won it. Uh, I just I see Cam Akers as an unbelievable talent, but he's just not going to get the the opportunities that you know a, a true breakout star right should. And and even saying this, I may be just wrong, right? Because you know this isn't Detroit anymore. This is Los Angeles, and you know even last year the Rams had an okay rushing attack, and they did that with Sony Michelle, who is kind of a bust. Daryl Henderson, who's good, but isn't a stud by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, they did it with Cam Akers coming off a torn Achilles like eight months ago. So he'll be, you know, springier this year. He can really run. I don't know. He's being drafted high. 
right? That's the only problem. He's being drafted yeah. way higher. And a guy like J.K. JK Dobbins or, you know, some people below him. But I don't know. Cam Akers yeah. is an interesting one. Yeah, I'm looking on, you know, Fantasy Pros' list on the rankings. They have Cam Akers, number 17. I mean, if you look at the guys behind him, Brees Hall at number 18, I draft. I take a shot with Brees over him. I definitely draft J.K. Dobbins over him. Same thing with Travis Etienne. I would take A.J. Dillon over him. And I would take Josh Jacobs over him too. So yeah, you know, I'm I, I see your point. I think you're you're kind of convincing me like to stay away from Cam Akers. He does have an injury history. So I, you know, I think with a running back, you always have to be leery of that. That that could really factor in. Yeah, and I wouldn't even expect them to play Cam Akers every down. I think they That's like Daryl Henderson. I think Daryl Henderson's good. I think yeah. I think the Rams know that too. I want to ask you before we do move on to quarterbacks, you know, we talked a little bit last week. What do you think about the Denver situation on running back, you know, with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon? Do you think Javante is going to have a breakout year or do you think it just it's too hard to trust him with Melvin Gordon, you know, right there, possibly splitting 50 50 snaps with him? So I saw a quote from this morning that says Melvin Gordon says the Broncos want second year back Javante Williams to be the guy. Mm hmm. Which is interesting because we talked a lot about this, you know, how Melvin Gordon is good and he's a veteran. And if, you know, things go a certain way, he can be the one who gets the touches because they know he's not going to fumble. They know he's not going to take penalties, just just small stuff like that. But hearing him say this, you know, I see Melvin Gordon as a good guy, like human being. I expect him to be really open to teaching Javante Williams, you know, the the lay of the land, how to break tackles. I don't see him being like we saw Tannehill basically say, you know, fuck this rookie. Right. I think Melvin Gordon will take it like a champ. I think Melvin Gordon's just a, he's a professional. So this makes me safe, feel safer with Javante Williams. But, you know, then again, Melvin Gordon's not bad, right? Melvin Gordon's good and he runs a certain way that can be really helpful, right? He's a dangerous guy. So it's interesting. Yeah. Javante Williams can catch. Like I'll give him that. So you do get that dual threat with him catching along with running. I just don't think I'm not as high on him as I am on other guys because I don't know, like, like Russell Wilson, you know, he has had good running backs in the past. We know Marshawn Lynch. We know Chris Carson until he retired. So I want to give Javante Williams the credit, but I just, I don't know. I think that with Russell, they didn't just bring Russell Wilson to the team to run the ball a lot. And they didn't just resign Melvin Gordon to just say, you know, you're strictly going to be a backup and you're not going to get your share of the downs. I think that maybe you'll see a 60-40 split. Javante Williams getting 60% of the snaps. Melvin Gordon get 40%. But all it takes is for, you know, Javante to struggle a little bit at the beginning of one game and Melvin Gordon gets the rest of the snaps or the majority of snaps the remainder of the game. So, you know, he's just a guy that I haven't seen enough of to warrant me a breakout yet. I mentioned, I think, last week, you know, on the episode, out of the 17 games he played, eight of those games, he had less than 10 points fantasy-wise. So he's not consistent. Javante Williams just hasn't shown me the consistency to warrant me saying, yeah, he's going to have to be a breakout year. So I don't know. I'm I'm not high on him as I am on on some of the yeah. other guys. I I like your point about you know it, it's basically like yeah if everything went perfect, Javante Williams would be at RB one. But if it doesn't go perfect, he could be nothing, and Melvin Gordon could be the RB one. Right? It's so easy. Melvin Gordon is so good for a backup running back. 
yeah. it's just hard to put you know so much draft capital in, in a guy on that team who's not Melvin Gordon. Yeah, it's kind of like you know if they were set on Javante Williams, if they knew he was the guy, why do you bring Melvin Gordon back? You know, it, it's like you just kind of let him walk. You 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 save some of your cap and put it toward other positions. I know they got Melvin Gordon for relatively cheap, but. I, I just I don't I, I just don't see it. It's just something, you know, you know, I might be wrong, but it's something I'm not going to take a risk with. So let's go ahead and move on to quarterbacks as we are running a little bit short of time. Now, yeah. is there any quarterback, Jacob, that you see that has the potential to have a breakout season? Yeah, I mean, I think Derek Carr is the obvious one. Yeah. Right? It, it, you know, everything is lining up for Derek Carr to have a 35 touchdown a year. Can he do it? I mean, we'll see. Next up, I would say Jalen Hurts, actually, right? right. Um, Jalen Hurts is a guy who's good in fantasy, and he's a guy to, who, who to me, is a smart player who doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Can he take the step forward and, you know, go from 150 passing yards, 60 rushing yards, you know, one and a half touchdowns a game to 200 passing yards, 80 rushing yards, and, and two touchdowns a game? That will – It'll be interesting to watch, and I think he'll do it, actually. I think Jalen Hurts will be a good, good quarterback in the NFL. I think uh, – I don't know. It's it, He plays such a unique play style, but he does it so confidently and, and you know, almost cool. I, I, I think there's a lot to like with him. I mean, again, people keep calling me the Jalen Hurts hater. I just – I've seen enough of him on the co- collegiate level. You know, he was out – he was at Alabama. He got benched for Tua. He had a transfer to Oklahoma to play. I just I don't see his success on the NFL level really marinating. I just I think that he has he's he really is a runner. Now they did get AJ Brown for him, so we'll see how that how that translates. But I don't know with Jalen Hurts. I just I think too many defenses will figure him out, and the the Eagles they lucked out last season because they were one in six against playoff teams. In the yeah. regular season. And that one win was against the Cowboys the final week of the season when the Cowboys sat all of their starters. So you saw when they did play guys that were, you know, when they did play teams that were much superior to them, Jalen Hurts struggled. And, you know, a team wins and loses by its quarterback the majority of the time. And that was that was a big deal. So I think this year Philly has a pretty tough schedule. I think he is going is going to be exposed a lot. We saw him in the game against the the Buccaneers in that playoff game. He just looked lost, like yeah. didn't know where to throw it. So Jalen Hurts to me, I think you know he's going to get you the running yards, but I think he's only going to be good for you know 100 to 150 throwing yards per game. He's going to get you an interception here and there, maybe gets you a touchdown. I don't think he ha- he's going to have the breakout year that some guys have now Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is going to be a top 10 quarterback to finish the season. Yeah. Anybody, anybody else for me, you know, looking at the list, I just threw a few names down. I'll, I'll say who I don't like to have a break a year. I'm not on the Trey Lance boat. I don't think Trey Lance is ready to start in the NFL. So everyone's pegging him as a breakout candidate. I, I don't see Trey Lance. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. I just, I wasn't a fan of him at Clemson. I thought, he played just superior, I mean, inferior talent his entire career. And then when he finally had to pay, play superior talent, he just didn't perform. One guy I will say is going to have a breakout. And I don't know if you want to consider a breakout because he has been consistent, but I really like Kirk Cousins this year. 
I love Justin Jefferson going into his third season. Adam Thielen is still consistent and he's still going to get you the throws. And now they got a new head coach. They got, you know, the former Rams offensive coordinator. What's his name? Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. I'm really on the Kirk Cousins train this season. What about you? Yeah, I don't hate that. Kirk Cousins, um, you know, I was going to say Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott is already there. Uh, you know, his season was last season, 37 touchdowns and 11 picks. But Kirk Cousins is – I mean, he's already been pretty good. Like, his last three seasons, his passing rating is 107, 105, and 103. I mean, that's a little, like, ridiculous. If he was playing in a real market and actually, you know, made it to playoffs, he'd be a big deal. So, I think he has a good year. Um I don't know if I'd necessarily necessarily call it a breakout because I mean, geez, he was he was in 2020, he was four four thousand two hundred and fifty yards, thirty five touchdowns, and thirteen picks. I mean, he, he's been good, for, really good for the last three four years. Yeah, it's just when it comes to fantasy, I feel like people overlook him, but I think he's gonna have such he's gonna put up such good numbers this year that you can overlook him. I mean, if you look at fantasy pros right about now, you know where do they have him ranked? I don't think they even have him ranked in the top 15, but I could be wrong. Let me look real quick. Um, yeah, they, well, yeah, they have them ranked 14, one under Derek Carr. Derek Carr, they have ranked number 15. I mean, they have Trey Lance at number 11. I'm taking Kirk Cousins over Trey Lance. One I'm probably, I would probably take Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is going to get more throwing touchdowns than him. I so agree. I really like Kirk Cousins. Another guy I'm just not high on that people are also saying as a breakout candidate is Tua. Like, so between Jacob, between Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, and Tua, do you see any of those guys having breakout years? The only one I see being anything possibly is uh, the Clemson guy on Trevor Jackson, Lawrence. Trevor yeah. Lawrence. I don't, I don't believe in Tua at all. I don't believe in Trey Lance especially because Trey Lance, I mean, Trey Lance is projected to be ahead of Matthew Stafford. I mean, if, if you know, if, if there's one way to piss me off, it is that. <laughs> just, just put them in front of Matt Stafford. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to look at it. I will say, and I'm not just saying this as a Giants fan too, but I really think if he stays healthy, Daniel Jones could have a solid fantasy year. Like, I don't think he's going to be top 10, maybe not even top 15. I think he could push top 15 though. But I think Daniel Jones, like I said, with this new coaching regime, with, you know, a healthy wide receiving core. And now he finally has an offensive line. I think he if I think he could turn in a solid fantasy team. Or I could be totally wrong and he's benched by midseason. But I think he's worth if you have a two two QB league. Not if you have one QB, but if you have a two QB league, I think he's worth to take a shot as your QB two. What do you think of Daniel Jones? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the season Daniel Jones either turns into something or gets benched and and that's kind of the end of it. Yeah. So I don't want to spend too much time on quarterbacks because I think the rest, you know, I'm just looking at the list. I don't really see any breakouts this year. Everyone else is established, but we will quickly touch on tight ends. You know, I think that, you know, people have been talking about Pat Fryermuth a lot with the Steelers. I really don't see it. I'm just not high on him, but I know you will like him too, but I really like TJ Hawkinson this season. How about yourself? Oh yeah. Hawkinson's great. Hawkinson is, uh, he's just good at football. Um, I'm worried a little bit about how the Lions, they don't have a, or they have a ton of options, right? With um, the, the rookie, with St. Brown, with Hawkinson, with Swift, you know, things can get 
convoluted. And if they're not on the field a lot on offense, you know, they could not put up a ton of points. But if the Lions start clicking, Hawkinson is going to be a big reason why. Another guy I like for a breakout, you know, if you're looking for a cheap tight end is on the Vikings, Irv Smith. We didn't see a lot of him last season, but he did have some good games. And now you have Kirk Cousins, you know, spreading the ball around more. What do you think about Irv Smith? Yeah, you know, I I, I like him. I, I've heard his name quite a bit. Um, he falls into the basically a, a a big group of tight ends to me, like the group that's Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Irv Smith, Noah Fant, Mike Gusecki, Cole Komet, Pat Fryermuth. Those are all guys that, you know, they're just basically set to be the tight end on their team. It's up to the season to see, you know, which ones are first in that group, which ones are last. I don't really see that being a group that jumps into the group of, you know, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz. I mean, Zach Ertz is a little high for me there, but uh, he's just a solid tight end to me. One guy I will say I do see as a huge sleeper is David Njoku. And literally yeah. the only reason is, is that the, the, the Browns paid him some ridiculous amount of money, like $40 million over four years. Uh, maybe it was, it was maybe, I think it was like 15 million a year they gave him, but he just has so much athleticism and they're going to play him every single snap. If they're paying him this money, he could just quietly put together a reasonable season. Yeah. I, I think Najoku, he's on my list too. And I don't care if it's going to be, you know, Watson toward the end of the season or Brissett. I think he's a guy you definitely have to look forward to, but before we wrap up, you know, Jacob, I wanted to see between all the guys we've talked about, wide receivers, running back, quarterback, tight end. What is one guy you think we haven't talked about a lot that is really going to have a breakout this year? Yeah. I don't know. I think Odo Beckham could be a good one because I don't think anyone's going to draft him. I'm thinking about guys that are free agents still. Right. And I think there's probably a few that are pretty good. Right. That could get picked up as veterans and go on a really, really good team. Yeah, there's not too many and too many others that I could think of. Like, I think but like Antonio be- Brown, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. Someone like him, Antonio Brown is good. Let me look for more. Will Fuller is a free agent. He's not anything special, I don't think. But I mean, he had some good seasons on the Texans, so I, you know, maybe he gets picked up and does something. Cole Beasley is another one I like a lot, actually. I think Cole Beasley could have a good season if he ends up on a team like the like Washington. Right where where he catches eighty passes just because he's Cole Beasley and he's sitting there and they're you know they're fine giving up five yards every play to Cole Beasley because you know the, the, the opponent's winning the game by forty five um, stuff like that just weird situations that arise out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if any others that we haven't talked about, it's rookies, which I think next week we could cover. We could talk about you know some rookies to look at and whatnot. But, you know, I, I think that this has been a good episode talking about guys that we think that could have a breakout season, you know, guys to avoid. So we are running out of time. So I want to wrap everything up. But I want to thank you again for joining me this week. Uh, any last thoughts before we sign off? None for me. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Well, everyone, thanks for joining and we will see you next week. Take care.